Good morning, everybody. I'm Michael Flake, one of the pastors here. Good to be together as a church family live at 10 a.m., both online, Facebook Live, and in the field. Good morning, everybody. Whether you are cautious about Jesus, curious about Jesus, or committed to Jesus, there is room for you here. This is a safe place to learn, to grow, and to change. So long as you don't have it all together, you'll fit right in. Today is a fun day for us because we are celebrating two things. The first thing we are celebrating is the uh, return of session at the college. And so welcome, welcome to Davidson College students. Good to have you. I was a student back at the college in the old days. I got this t-shirt for all the hard work I put in. And uh, I was a math religion double major. And so I had this, and then we've been doing ministry here for a while. And so this is my little soapbox about faith in college. And I'll say it this week and then uh, about this same week next year. Uh, but this is it. In college, your faith will start, strengthen, stagnate, or shipwreck. But you will leave different than you came in. In college, your faith will start, strengthen, stagnate, or shipwreck. But you will leave different than you came in. In. And one of the gifts we have as a church and I have as a pastor is I get to watch so many people whose faith starts in college, whose faith strengthens in college. And so I commend you for being here. I commend you guys for being here, continuing to take God seriously, whether you're searching for truth or, or you're following Christ. And we would love to help you as you grow spiritually in your college years. Of course, if this is not the right church for you, we'd love to help you find a better church. We know of plenty. But the point of it is, when you find a church home in the Davidson area, even though this semester is different, I don't know if you've heard that yet, but even though this semester will be different, uh, finding a church home somewhere in the Davidson community and really getting invested in it. And that'll look different this semester because uh, there's not quite as many ongoing opportunities with anything. But still, between discovery courses, Sunday morning worship, finding ways to serve, to jump in, to get connected with a group on campus so that you don't have to walk alone as you try to grow in your faith or explore who Jesus is. That actually leads me to a kind of exciting update just generally, which is over the last two weeks, we've been doing this hybrid version where we're online and in the field at the same time. The spots to be out in the field the first week were gone in less than 48 hours. The spots to be in the field this week were gone in under four hours. So we looked at the trend and realized we needed to change something. And so starting in September, we're going to make some changes. We're going to offer two Sunday services. So to try to expand the number of people who can join us in the field and online at the same, at the same time. We're going to offer kids ministry at one of those two services. And we're going to start trying to highlight ways that you guys can jump in and serve on Sunday mornings as we try to just reintroduce some of those things. So be on the lookout for all that and ways to take another, another step in. But we're excited about this and thankful that y'all want to be together, whether online or in the field. It's exciting stuff. And good job, guys, the four hours. That's impressive. That's impressive. The second thing we're celebrating today is that it is our ninth birthday. Happy birthday, Lake Forest Davidson. Like all birthdays in 2020, this one is a little different. <laughs> but it's still special. I love our church family. I love you being in our church family. I have become especially that love has grown stronger over these past six months. 
Over these last nine years, we have seen Jesus change our lives. We have seen him change the lives of people we love. We have seen us ourselves draw closer to God. We have seen people we love draw closer to God. We've watched the Holy Spirit mold us, transform us, send us to be ministers to the world in Jesus' name. By God's grace, the best is yet to come. Big picture, there's a lot going on in the life of the church right now. We, we are working on buying land on South Main Street in Davidson so that our church can have a long-term home. In fact, this Tuesday, there's a public hearing because the land's having to be rezoned. There's a public hearing this Tuesday about that. So we hope you'll be in prayer about that hearing, that it won't be contentious and that our church will stay unified through the whole process, will stay on mission through the whole process. That's not the vote. The vote's not until September or October. That's one of the last hurdles, the public hearing. So that's pretty important, getting land rezoned, trying to buy land for a permanent home. We're in the midst of having one of our ministers, Dr. Bud, retire from ministry. We are celebrating his work with us and other places, and we are trying to hire the next person to fill the community and care role. That's pretty important. We're trying to nail down what the future of Sunday mornings is going to look like. You heard a little bit about that earlier. That's important. We have three recent grads who are in a year-long residency on our staff. They're taking our uh, ministry training initiative to a new level. That's pretty important. And none of these are the most important thing happening in the life of the church. The most important thing happening in the life of the church is that God is working in us and God is working through us. God is working in us and God is working through us. God is making more and better disciples of Jesus in us and through us. God is drawing you to become his follower, his disciple, a disciple of Jesus. God is calling you and me to grow into better disciples of Jesus. God is working through us to draw people back to himself. God is working through us to draw people into a deeper relationship with God, even if that means we have to work on some messy stuff. And so whatever comes in the next year, the 10th year, the 10th year of the life of the church, that's starting to sound official. Can the pastor of a 10-year-old church still eat at the Taco Bell is my question. Yes, good. Okay, I'm glad to see that. I'm going to this afternoon. I do know that. Oh, Kindred, that's right. I'm trying to replace my Taco Bell references with Kindred references to get Kindred gift cards instead. <laughs> but whatever is going to happen to us in the 10th year of the life of the church what we know, what's going to be most important, the headline, no matter what hardships or victories or celebrations we have, the headline of our, this year in the life of our church is that God is working in you. God is working through you. God is making more and better disciples of Jesus. That's what this church is about and will continue to be about. And I'm excited to watch it in you and through you in the year ahead. So on our birthdays, what I do is I dig back in the sermon file and find an oldie but goodie from the early years. Today's oldie but goodie goes really well with our series of sermons called Rebuilding. Because we're looking at how to turn a huge disruption into a huge opportunity to rebuild a more Jesus Christ-centered life. We're looking at encounters from the life of Jesus in the book of the Bible called John. And we're asking folks to read through that book of the Bible. The book of the Bible called John. This sermon comes from August 7th, 2012. How many of you were alive on August 7th, 2012? Excellent. Most people. 
The series was called, do you remember the series, Matt? Where'd Matt go? The series was called Make a Difference. Does anybody remember the series Make a Difference? Nobody. Excellent. We're going to be doing a series in about six months called Make a Difference then. Hopefully some people at home remember Make a Difference. The series, as you might imagine, was about how God can use each of us to make a difference in the lives of others. We turn to John chapter 6, verses 1 to 13, what Andrew read for us earlier. And I, I, I give this to you under the headline that God is working in you and God is working through you. Let's see what we learn. Mother Teresa once famously said, we can do no great things, just small things with great love. We can do no great things, just small things with great love. Small things with great love. And Mother Teresa lived that out. She lived a life. She started a worldwide ministry built on the idea of doing small things with great love. She is a shining example of what your life or your organization or, or our church together can look like when we do small things with great love. And that's what first comes to mind for me when I think about the boy in this account from John chapter 6. The passage begins this way. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, this is verse 5, when Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, one of his disciples, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? So there's a big crowd of people following Jesus, and they're following Jesus because they've seen him perform miracles. Specifically, they saw him heal the sick. And the people's hearts, the people's minds, the people's souls are being drawn towards Jesus. They're starting to wonder if Jesus is the deliverer God has promised to send for all these years to be the hinge point of all history. And if Jesus is what God is doing in the world, and these people are starting to think that maybe he is, they want to be where Jesus is. And so Jesus and his disciples look up, and there's a huge crowd approaching them. Jesus looks to his disciple Philip and says, Philip, where are we going to find food to feed all these people? Now, Jesus already knows what he's going to do, but he's going to teach his disciples as the plan plays out. So the disciples start to have what I'll call kind of a panicked work session to figure out how many people are there and how much is it going to cost to feed them. They get out their little abacus and their abacai or whatever multiple of abacus is, and they're doing all the sums and trying to figure out. Somebody looks at the giant crowd and says, it, I, I'm thinking four or 5,000 people, I don't know. So they're doing their little panicked work session. Verse 7 says, Philip answered him, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Okay. So Philip is, this is an important theological term, Philip is freaking out. He sees where Jesus is angling, and he doesn't see how it's going to work. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there with Jesus? Where you see where he's angling, but you don't clearly see how it's going to work, or if it's going to work. What Philip does is he knows just enough about Jesus that he doesn't tell him no. He doesn't tell Jesus, no, Jesus, we're not going to do that. No, Jesus, we can't do that. Philip says something more like, I don't see how we're going to be able to do that. 
Philip shows us, though, that there is a difference between telling Jesus no and telling Jesus, well, maybe. And that's an important difference between an outright no and a, well, may, maybe. And in the midst of the impromptu planning that the disciples are doing, one of the other disciples, Andrew, comes over and gives his own version of, well, maybe. And it sounds like this, verse 8. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? So Andrew's joining Philip to, to reemphasize Philip's point. Jesus, we know you're God and all, but we don't see how this is going to work. And yet in the midst of all this calculation, this is when the camera shifts. It cuts to this boy. He knows that Jesus has healed the sick. His heart, his mind, his soul are being drawn closer to Jesus. Could this be the deliverer God has promised all these years? Could this be the one my parents have told me about since my earliest days? This boy has some food. We can use it, but what difference will it make? Probably a small one. Just a small difference. A small thing with great love the boy offers up his little dinner that he brought so that jesus can help feed a few people now what does the boy have to give not much the scripture says he has two uh small fish and five small barley loaves now that sounds exotic a barley loaf what is that what well, turns out a barley loaf is the cheapest kind of bread you could buy in that day and time it was easy to make, cheap to sell. It is generally what people in poverty ate. So the modern equivalent of this is that Andrew comes up to Jesus and says, here's a, here's a boy who offered his lunch two crummy-looking tuna fish sandwiches. He would have said sandwiches, by the way. But he said we can use it. And so I just imagine Jesus taking the food, looking at the boy, looking at the food, looking at Philip and Andrew, looking at the other disciples doing their panic work session, looking back at the boy and saying, this is just what I needed. Jesus said, verse 10, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. So the boy didn't have much to give, just in our modern equivalent, two crummy-looking tuna fish sandwiches. But in the hands of Jesus, his small gift made a difference in the lives of many people. The boy was generous. He gave what he had for the sake of others. Don't you imagine that of the other thousands of people there, at least one other person had brought something to eat? At least one other person had something that they could share? But it was this young man alone who offered what he had. He was generous, willing to serve, let other people experience love through his small act of generosity. So the boy was generous, but he was also smart because he trusted those gifts into the hands of Jesus. 
the boy could have just started to distribute what he had out to people, and it would have fed a couple people. But he realized, he was beginning to realize that his heart, his soul, his mind was being drawn closer into Jesus, that his little gift in his hands versus his little gift in Jesus' hands is what would really make the difference. And so he trusted his gift into the hands of Jesus, and because of that, thousands of people ate. Thousands of people were filled. Jesus took this small gift and did something miraculous with it. So that in verse 12 we learn, when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. As miracles often do, this miracle had a profound impact on the people there. It had a profound impact on Jesus' disciples, so much so that it gets recorded in all four books of the Bible about Jesus, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and the one we're reading right now, John. You might think, well, I'm sure there's a huge list of things that's included in all four Gospels. No, it's actually a very small list. Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus' resurrection, and a handful of other things. One of them is this passage often called the feeding of the 5,000. It had such a profound impact on the people there to watch Jesus take this boy's little small gift and multiply it and multiply it and multiply it that when people sat down to write about the life of Jesus, everybody thought you had to throw this one in there. And after the great miracle, there were 12 baskets full of leftovers. Why is that interesting? Because there weren't 12 baskets to even start with. How many of those do you think Jesus gave to the boy to take home? This is one of my questions I want to ask one day. If I ever get like a, you know, to see maybe the Pope or, or whatever, I'm gonna, maybe he knows when I meet Jesus. Jesus, I got questions. And he's going to say, do they really matter now? Okay, no, not really. But this would be one I would want to ask. How many did he give to the boy to take home? We don't know. We know the boy would have left with a full stomach, but what did the boy receive in the moment? Possibly nothing and possibly more than he gave. He may have walked home empty-handed or he may have walked home with more food than he took in the first place. We don't know. People will often say that you should help others, serve others, love others, because you will get back more than you give. And I have found that to be true. Sometimes. Sometimes. But the point is not necessarily what the boy got in return. The boy trusted his dinner into Jesus' hands because of what it could do for others, not what he was going to get back out of it. He trusted his dinner into Jesus' hands because of how much he was coming to trust Jesus. He did a small thing with great love, not for himself, but for the sake of others. And just imagine how this story played out. That for one little child, that may have been all she ate that day. That maybe one person took a basket of leftovers back to their village to feed elderly people. That someone walked away saying, you know what? I, I think I'm ready to let go of the life I envisioned for myself and follow Jesus. Look what he just did. 
What was the first ripple in that pond? It was a little boy being willing to part with his lunch. Small things done with great love. Small things done with great love. A child who trusts a small gift into the hands of Jesus. So I'll just try to make, make the sermon as plain as possible, okay? In case you have missed the point of the sermon thus far, it is this. Small things done with great love, trusted into the hands of Jesus, can make a difference for lots of people. Small things done with great love, trusted into the hands of Jesus, can make a difference for lots of people, can have disproportionate impact to what was entrusted to Jesus' hands. You may know the old expression, if a tree falls in the woods but no one hears it, did it make a sound? We have a modern equivalent of that riddle, and it is this. If I do something and don't put it on social media, did it really happen? And in a world like that, it would be possible to overlook the value of the little things. It would be possible to overlook the value of the things that nobody sees, the donation nobody knows about, serving with a ministry for a few hours, praying for someone who's in a tough spot, a handwritten note, a text on an anniversary of a hard day, the willingness to read through the book of John with somebody, with a friend, the willingness to have a conversation about faith, the willingness to be a listening ear or to be a friend with whom it's safe to share your doubts. I wonder who came early to get that camera plugged in. Small things done with great love, trusted into the hands of Jesus, can show love to people. Now, when I look at the needs around me, and then I look at what I have to give to them, the skills, the passions, the gifts, the willingness that God has given to me, I often say, and I often think, and maybe you do too, I don't have much to offer. And it's in those moments when I imagine Jesus looking at me, looking at you, and saying, this is just what I need. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says this, And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Jesus did not cling to his status as God. He took on the nature of the servant. He took on the form of one who serves all the power in the world and yet he served and he serves in how we relate to other people the bible says have the same mindset as jesus christ follow the example that jesus set that's the example the boy in john 6 followed but what i'm really struck by and where i kind of want to end this thing is the way that jesus served the child because the truth is, Jesus could have fed the crowd without any startup capital. If you're going to work a miracle, do you really need the startup capital? But the God of the universe took on human flesh, 
walked in this dust, had compassion on a huge crowd, and then received the gift of a little child in order to miraculously feed them, thus letting that child participate in the work that Jesus was already going to do. The all-powerful servant, the all-powerful servant, inviting others into his miraculous work. So is there any doubt that this all-powerful servant stooped further submitted himself to death, even death on a cross, so that you and I and this boy and a crowd of not thousands but billions could be reconciled to God. Jesus has done the great thing with great love. Jesus has done the great thing with great love. He paved the way for all of us to return to our Creator, our God, our Father, who is in heaven. And in relationship with that God, we find abundant and everlasting life in Jesus' name. And part of what it means to live an abundant life is that we are not simply focused in on ourselves, but we are finding a life centered on Jesus, and thus we are focused outwardly outwardly not trying to do the great things jesus did the great thing but doing small things with great love so let me ask you to reflect on this question as i wrap up how can you do a small thing with great love to make a difference in the life of one more person how can you 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 do a small thing with great love to make a difference in the life of one more person. Especially as we think about the overarching view of, of rebuilding. An opportunity to rebuild a more Jesus Christ-centered life. To look at some of the things we do that we just do because that's what we do. And to instead ask, of the things I do, how, how can they be small things with great love? How can they be more akin to what this little boy did in John chapter 6? Where he offered what he had, even though it didn't seem like very much, with love into the hands of Jesus to see if it wouldn't bless more people than he realized. It makes me think about some of the, the things I do. You know, I, I write a sermon every week. I'm supposed to. But how can that be an act of a small thing with great love? How can some of the work you just go about week in and week out, the stuff you've grown tired of, potentially, over these past six months, small things, but with great love, trusted into the hands of Jesus to make them more than what they seem like on their surface? So back in 2012, as we were doing this series that made such an impact on all of you, the, the leader of a Charlotte nonprofit visited Lake Forest. It was the first Sunday of Make a Difference. He came back the next week, and the church was still talking about serving other people. He came back the next week. The church was still talking about serving, helping other people. This was not what he had always anticipated the Christian faith was like. And he began to find his heart, his mind, his soul being drawn in by Jesus. As we got to the end of that series of sermons, his takeaway was that he had been trying to help and love and serve others out of his own strength. And that it had stopped working. He had tried to feed people with the gifts that he had staying in his own hands. And he had run out. 
It had stopped working. This was not what he was designed to do. And so his takeaway was that he invited Jesus into the center of his life, his great love into the center of his life. For this, all of eternity rejoices. He still leads a nonprofit today, just not in his own strength, trusting what little he offers into the hands of Jesus. And I'll just tell you, if you were to look at his schedule, you would not think it was a little thing he was offering. It's a busy man. But I guess when I'm talking, and Mother Teresa's talking about small things with great love, the comparison is to what Jesus has done on our behalf. And in light of what he's done, the great thing, we do small things, but with great love. Let's pray together. Let me give you a chance to pray, a chance to talk to God, to listen to God about whatever he's stirring up in your heart or in your mind. Just take a quiet moment for personal prayer. Lord, I thank you for our church family. I thank you for the nine years behind us and the many years before us. I thank you that you've taken the little things that all of us have been willing to give and turn it into something beautiful that impacts so many people far more than we would have ever imagined. Lord, we thank you for the new session at the college, the new semester. We pray that it's a time of great growth, a time where folks will come to see you for who you, tr who you truly are, and a time where people will grow closer to you as part of what it means to be, to be more mature intellectually, emotionally, spiritually. Lord, I pray for those of us who feel like we don't have that much to offer in the face of all we see in this world, or as we think about our own failures, our own insecurities, our own inabilities. And I pray we might wrestle with the thing my friend wrestled with those many years ago. In whose hands will I leave these gifts? Lord, I pray we will be people who do the work that we do, but as small acts done with great love and entrusted to you to bring about far more impact than we could have imagined on our own. So Lord, use us to bless the people in our lives. Use us to bless the world around us. Work in us. Work through us. 
And Lord, for those of us who, who realize the way we've been doing it has stopped working, I pray we would open up our lives, our hearts to you and be transformed by your love. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, this is the time of the service where we typically receive prayer requests and tithes or offerings. So if you are in the field, you can give us those in the wicker basket on your way out. If you are online, you can do so looking in the comments section, lakeforest.org slash give, if you're able and willing to give. And then prayer, Davidson prayer at lakeforest.org if you have a prayer request. We love you guys. Let's worship together.